Happy New Year! Uh, it's great to see everybody here. Um, I am excited to kick off 2023 the best way possible, which is gathering as a church with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen? Oh, come on. What? You guys were up too late last night. Amen? All right, here we go. So, somebody say, today is a new day. Say, it's a new year. Now, some of you may not realize this, but Sunday is actually the first day of the week. Many of you are like, wait, what? I thought Monday was. It's actually Sunday. Sunday is actually the first day of the week, um, and it's part of why I think God chose Sunday as the day of resurrection, because it points to the ultimate new day. The first day of the week is when he rose from the grave. Think about that. It's the beginning. It's a new beginning. It's the day that ultimately points us to that ultimate new day when he makes all things new. And so as the church, we gather together as the first thing we do to kick off that first part of the first day of the week. That's what we're doing. And so this is the, the I, I love that this is actually a, a new year where the first day of the year lands on the first day of the week. Sunday. This is the day of resurrection. This is the Lord's day. And so we get to kick off 2023 together as one big family. And I'm excited about, yeah, thank you, John. One person is excited about 2023. Um, so this year, uh, I want to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. And I want to celebrate the one who has made you a new creation. And I want to fill your hearts with hope and vision for this next year. It's not just a saying, it's a reality for those who are in Christ. The old is gone, and the new has come. You're a new creation. Like, whatever has happened in 2022, right? There's a lot of things that we celebrated, we're thankful for. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of like, okay, we'll just leave that one in 2022. It's time to move on. But His mercies are new every morning, Amen. And his grace is available and sufficient for us even today and even in 2023. Now, I don't know what 2023 is going to hold for us, but I do want to cast some vision for what I want to pray God blesses us even as a church and his people for and with. And so um, I'm excited for some of that. Uh, we're, we're going to talk about that this morning. And I'll, I, I got a chance to, uh, just after gathering with you on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, my family and I drove to North Carolina to a farm that my uncle owns, kind of deep in North Carolina, and uh, it was a great time to kind of get away. It was nice and cold. Everything's frozen. You know, it was one of those situations, which is strange. Like, what, it was, I felt like I was in the tundra uh, a week ago, and now it's summertime somehow. So, welcome to Virginia. Um, but the next day, I woke up, and I got a chance to just walk around that farm. And uh, as I did, you know, all the fields, just rolling fields in the Piedmont of North Carolina, and all the fields had been harvested. And, and all the grass, the new grass was frozen on the ground, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was just, it was like these, this dormant land, just the, the hills would roll right into the horizon. It was, it was amazing. And I'm used to all these trees, which kind of gives you kind of tunnel vision unless you go to the beach and you can see the ocean, you know. Um, but everything's so flat here that it, it kind of, it, it was it, it impacting to me. And I'm walking around and everything was so quiet. I could even, the only thing I could hear 
was my own breath as I'm walking around. Everything just felt at rest. And as I'm, you know, later on, walking through the pastures, one of the cows that were there had just dropped a newborn calf. Just plop. If you've ever seen a newborn calf born, but it's different than the way we do it. They're just standing straight up, and it's just like, plop, new life. Right? There you have it. Just new life. And it suddenly was the highlight of the day. And I, I realized it's just a cow, but it struck me as I'm just walking around how much God loves new life. We called my uncle, and, you know, we're like, what, do we need to do anything? You know, and he's like, no, her, her mama will take care of her. The herd will keep her warm. We're good. And he, it, it, everybody was excited. Baby, baby came early. They named him Earl. They were going to name him Pearl, but turned out it wasn't a girl. They named him Earl. Anyway. But it was, it was the highlight, and it struck me again just how precious new life is to God. And as I'm thinking about that, and as I'm just praying, I was just like, how much more precious is new life in Christ to Jesus? Like, how much does he celebrate those who are reborn in Christ? Like, if that's how I feel about a cow that we're literally going to eat one day, that got morbid right, real quick, right? But think about that. How much more does he celebrate rebirth of his people. And I, I'm praying about, you know, I'm just God, what do you want to do in 2023? What, do you, where, what are you calling us to as a church? And I just was so impacted by how much God loves the new creation. How much he loves new creations in Christ and rebirth and people coming to salvation in Christ. He calls it even a harvest. That's how he refers to those souls coming to him. He calls it a harvest. It's the entire purpose of the Great Commission. This is what we've been given as his people to bring in the harvest of souls to the king. It's really easy to lose sight of that. It's really easy to get caught up in our own situations and circumstances. It's really easy to only fixate on just making ourselves better and better and better and completely lose sight of his mission. Or I should say commission. In fact, throughout history, God's people have tended to drift away from that primary mission. The Old and New Testament. So this morning, my hope is that we would catch a vision of the harvest directly from the Lord of the harvest. And so for the rest of our time, we're going to break it up into kind of two parts, okay? So the first part's going to be sort of like a family meeting. Um, we just cast some vision for you for the new year, for 2023. And, and then the second's going to be uh, the sermon portion uh, to just drive home the why behind the what, okay? So if it's your first time with us, then welcome. This is a great time for you to join with us for, for your first time. Uh, you're going to get a solid taste for who we are and why we do what we do and what we're all about. And so i got three quick things that I want to cast a vision for as we head into 2023. Three, maybe four. Okay? Maybe ten. I've actually got four. So one, the Great Commission. Two, the Weekender. Three, 
a challenge called Who's Your One More? And the number four, the facility. So first, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. It says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, those that are far from God, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, we exist here at Risen Church. Our, our church exists to share life in Christ, our risen Lord, with each other, our city, and beyond. That's our mission statement. That's what we do. You, if you didn't know that, now you know. Okay? So this is what we're all about. Now, there's a lot of twisted ideas floating around uh, in our society about what Christianity is. Like our, our city is actually filled with people who actually think that they're Christians, but they're actually very far from God. And sometimes they'll even use that label of Christian to get you to stop talking about Jesus. Right? Like, I, I already know him. I'm good. And it's like, where are you? Do you know him? And so, the gospel itself, oh, we say it here every week. I'm driving home. It's so simple. Don't get overwhelmed or, or, or think it's too complicated. First and foremost, it is four words. Jesus in my place. That's it. It's so simple, and yet it is the most profound truth in eternity. It's the reality that God became a man and he lived the life that we couldn't live and he died the death we deserved to die and he conquered sin and the death through the cross and resurrection and he paved the way to eternal life and it's an eternal life that starts now, not just one day when we die, but it's an eternal life that starts now. The moment we place our faith and hope in what he's done for us at the cross and then he fills us with his spirit. And he doesn't fill us with his spirit so that we can try harder and be good enough. He fills us with his spirit because we weren't good enough and we have to rely upon the cross. And he loves us right where we are. And he loves us out of the mess that would bind our hearts to this world and to sin. And he rescues us and he redeems us. And he calls us his children. This is the gospel. This is good news. And this is what we're all about. And our life is a response of worship to that reality. And so sharing this new life that's available to us all in Christ, that's available to everyone in Christ, guys, it's not just the pastor's job, right? It's not just the church leadership's job. This is for everyone who calls Risen Church your home church. This is for you. This is for everyone who calls Jesus your Lord and Savior, this is for you. This is for everyone who is a grace-bought, spirit-filled believer. This is for you. You should never say, I don't know what my purpose is in life. You know what your purpose is? The Great Commission. That's it. Look, look the reality is, is the moment you're rescued from sin and death is the moment you become a part of the rescue team. And so when Jesus gave us this great commission to go and make disciples, listen to me. He didn't say, that doesn't mean go and find people that already believe in me and then help them to believe in me more. It's not what the great commission's all about. 
Now, yes, we encourage one another. We share life with one another. We become fluent in the gospel, and we live lives that are just praising God out loud and sharing this life with one another. But hear me. So, and we're going to talk about this a little more, but like so often, too often, we will talk about Jesus with one another, and then we get around the people that we're not, not, even, not even the lost. We're not sure if you're lost or not, but we're not going to talk about Jesus. Like that's for my church friends. And then we get around them and we're like, well, ooh, I don't want to bring up Jesus because that might be offensive or that might get awkward. And so there's this wall, there's this barrier, and we don't want to cross it. That's called spiritual warfare. This morning, I hope to abolish that wall. Jesus is saying, go find people who are far from me and share the good news of the gospel with them and embrace them into this great commission community and then find more and grow closer to me in the process. This is the call he's placed on every single one of us. This is what we mean by sharing life in Christ with each other and our city and beyond. And so ultimately this calling is the same for every Christian, but it will and, and very likely will, will look very different depending on your season and your situation, right? It's going to look different than the way that I share life with people. That's because I'm a different person than you. <laughs> and so the way that we do this um, as a church, our, our desire is to partner together to that end of bringing glory to God by making disciples who make disciples. And again, that's for us all. That's not just for the, for the pastor. It's, it's, again, it's big part of being the pastor. <laughs> you know, like I never want to lose that evangelistic edge. That's what evangelism is, right? It, it's, it's making a disciple of someone who wasn't a disciple before. Or at least it's presenting the gospel, the euangelion. That's what it means, the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's no greater joy than leading people to salvation in Christ. But the truth is, again, my role as a pastor is actually primarily to equip and encourage you as the saints, the church, for the ministry. You're the front lines. You. God, God did it like this. He loves, if you look through the New Testament, man, he loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He loves to do that. And so you're on the front lines, in your workplaces, on the ball fields, in the classrooms, and in your homes. That's where the disciple making actually, that's where it takes place. That's where the harvest fields are, right? And yes, I want you to invite them to church. Do that. It's great. They're going to hear the gospel when they come here, right? We know that. But listen to me. You grace-bought, spirit-filled people, you've got the good news. You got it. Unleash it. Unleash it into Virginia Beach. See, it's the gospel itself that has the power unto salvation, according to Romans 1, 16. Listen, read with me. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Spiritual warfare will make you tuck it away. Like, I don't want to be labeled with these other people. I don't want to be blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly you don't ever talk about it. And then there's, because we don't ever talk about it, then it's the crazies that are the ones that are just like, wee, and it's just self-righteousness and just more religion. But you've got the gospel. Unleash it. It's the power unto salvation. 
For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. More on that in a minute. Second thing I want to highlight is the weekender. Say the weekender. The weekender uh, is, we've been talking about this for um, a few months now. If Risen Church is your home church, then you need to know all about the weekender. I want you to know all about the weekender. If you're not yet an official part of Risen Church, then you definitely need to know about the weekender. So the weekender should be almost annoying to you if you're a part of our church. Like you should hear it so much and you're just like, man, I like, can we stop talking about it? But the moment you are like, stop talking about it is the moment everybody else has heard it for the first time. Right? And so I want you to almost be a vision caster for others of what the weekender is. Not only you to take part in it, but I want you to engage others in this. And so what it is, is essentially it's the one stop for your next step here at Risen. So it's the primary way that you can get plugged into community and serving opportunities. It's the way that you can learn about who we are as a church and our history and our values and what we believe. And so Risen Church is a church for all people, amen? But it's not for everyone. That's true. It's not for everyone. Like what I mean by that is there's a lot, there are a lot of great churches in this city. And I praise God for them all. And you might not jive with our particular flavor or focus. I want you to know you're welcome here, but it's, it, it's okay. We love you if you don't jive with this, but we want you to plug in with a covenant family. And so the way to find out about that is the weekender. It's not just by listening to one sermon or going to one community group or even just serving on a team. All that's great, but they only represent small facets of who we are and what we're about. And so it's also why we encourage you to try five consecutive weeks in a row to get a solid feel for who we are as a church. And so the weekender is our gift to the city for connection in gospel community. And so just because you attend a weekender doesn't mean that you've officially joined the church, but it is the first step in determining if that's what God's calling you to do. And so every Christian is called to belong to a local covenant community or a local church. And so no matter what season of life you may be in, even if you're about to deploy, right, if you're in the military, maybe you feel like you're just here for a season, your home church is in another place, we want to partner with them in partnering with you in the gospel, and so we want to give you, even if you're here, man, if you've, you're here for like three more months, we want to, and, and you're gone forever, we want to not just release you, we want to send you. We want to commission you in and to have that anchoring in Christ with a covenant community who loves you and supports that even, okay? And so if you're not yet an official partner with Risen, then I want to encourage you to join us for our next weekender. Again, it's January uh, 13th and 14th. And so we'll be having it on the rooftop of Hangar Law. It's going to be great. We do it Friday and Saturday. Child care and meals are provided. Again, it's our gift with no pressure, just open arms, okay? And so um, it's also a great time because we're, we're starting a new semester in community groups for this month. Uh, or, or not for this month, for this next semester. We're doing a new semester of community groups. And so um, if you're not in a community group and you'd like to figure you don't know what it's all about, then the weekender is a great on-ramp for you. Uh, our community groups are actually running in three semesters this year. And so we're starting a new semester this month that's going to run through Easter into May. 
and then another semester from May to September, and then September to December. So you can learn more about all of that at The Weekender. And so you're more than welcome to switch it up if you'd like to try a new group. It's a good time to do it, you know, like even this January, as we, you're like, you know, I, I kind of want to try that one. Maybe that one's closer to me. You're not bound to that same group for eternity. Like, we want to encourage you um, even to, to think about that. And of course, if you want to stay with that group, fantastic. Praise God. Um, but I also even put it out there that uh, God may even be calling some of you to host a group in your home sometime this year. Or in, even eventually lead a new group. These are all great things to begin praying about if you haven't already. And so again, everything we do flows out of what God's calling us to, which is to make disciples of those far from God, which leads me to that third challenge for 2023. Who's your one more? Who's your one more? A couple of years ago, I encouraged you to begin praying um, for one person, just one person to share the gospel with, and to invite into gospel community. And so we've seen a lot of fruit from that since then. It's been, it's been a couple of years now. And some of you have seen the Lord work in mighty ways in that one person that you were praying for. They probably may even be in this room. Now others have had your eyes open to the harvest by praying for your one when you say, God, who is that one that I'm close to, but that's far from you? And as you began praying for them, he even opened your eyes to the harvest around you, and you were able to lead others to Christ. Not even the one you were praying for, just others. This has happened. We've seen this happen in our church. And some of you may still be praying for that one that you began praying for a few years ago or a couple years ago. And praise God for that. I want to encourage you to keep going and keep looking for opportunities to talk to them about Jesus. But I want to encourage you this morning to accept another challenge this year. And that's the who's your one more challenge. Who's your one more? One more to identify one more person, one more person who's far from God, but is close to you. And I want to encourage you to begin praying to the Lord of the harvest to open opportunities to share the gospel with them and to invite them to church. So who is your one more? I want to encourage you to begin praying that they would come to church even by Easter of this year, in 2023. That's Sunday, April 9th, in case you weren't aware of when Easter is. I'm very aware of it because in my mind, like as a church, that's like Super Bowl Sunday, right? And the reason for that is there's so many people, there's just the gospel's everywhere. And people are very likely to come to church. And so I want to encourage you even now to begin praying for that one to come even to church by April 9th. And if, you come, if he or she comes before them, praise God, right? I want to encourage you to begin praying for that. And listen, God's not afraid of specific prayers. Often it's us who are afraid to pray specifically, which is just a sign of a lack of faith. And so I want to kind of throw it out there, man. God cares about this stuff more than you do. Do you realize that? He wants you to pray for these things. He loves those people. If they're on your heart, it's because he put them there. So I want you to pray for them and pray specifically, even throw a date out there. God, he loves that. 
He can handle it, right? So who's your one more? Can you, like, can you even see them coming to church on Easter? Can you see them being baptized that summer during beach baptism? Like, what a celebration. You guys have seen it. You know he can do it. Some of you have done it. He's done it in your life. Amen? And so we want to stand with you in these prayers. and want to celebrate with you in the harvest. So who's your one more? Now, you may have 20 more that pop into your mind. If you're like me, that's part of my challenge. It's just like choosing one. And I do want to encourage you to choose one. And the reason for that is because God has, I, I want you to catch his heart for the one. He loves the one. It's so powerful. He, and, and, and it speaks something directly to our own hearts about his individual love for you. I want you to pray specifically to catch a revelation of why Jesus would leave the 99 for the one. He's inviting you into that commission to go get him. It's how he set this up. He gets a lot of glory for this, for the one more and for the harvest. Now, even as I'm saying this, the enemy's probably in your head. Maybe it's just your flesh. Maybe he's using your flesh to get in your head and start thinking and pushing back on some of this stuff because he wants to, more than anything, the enemy wants to sideline you from this rescue mission. He's happy to keep you comfortable and happy on the sidelines as long as you're not pushing forward the commission that King Jesus has given us. You might think, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to treat people like a project. Good. I don't want you to either. That's why we pray for them first. Right? That's why we fall in love with the way God loves them. Because he doesn't have projects. People are his mission. So I want you to catch a revelation of God's love for them and then operate out of that loving boldness that ignites his spirit to go forward. Or his spirit ignites us to go forward within us. And so um, now that also overcomes that fear that paralyzes us, that thing that makes you afraid to say anything because, you know, what if you say the wrong thing? Listen, don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. Trust him to move in and through you. Again, remember, he cares more about this than you do, and you'll be surprised at how the Spirit will move through your steps of faith to just kind of step out in that way. So who's your one more? It all begins with prayer. It all begins with prayer. And so I'm looking forward to hearing stories about how God answers these prayers. Are you? Yeah? And so everything we do flows out of this. Even this facility, even this venue, which is the last thing I want to highlight here. And so this building is simply a facility to facilitate the harvest of souls that God desires to bring in through Risen Church, to bring us to maturity as we catch a glimpse of his mission and we join the rescue team and we go out and we bring them in and we, we, we praise God in the process. And when I say bring them in, I don't mean bring them in so they can hear the gospel. I mean give them the gospel and then embrace them into the community. Does that make sense? 
It's a place where we gather together to behold and to worship and to glorify him and to rally and remind one another of who he is and what he's called us to and to dive deeply into his word and to share life in Christ with each other and our city and beyond and to keep the main thing the main thing. And so I want to quickly highlight some praise um, and, and ask for your prayers regarding our venue. About three months ago, in 2022, which was well, last year, um, we were told this entire marina was under contract to be sold. And we would need to find a new place by January of 2023. That's today. And, and what they said was they were probably going to have to tear down this building and build condos. And so the contract hadn't gone through until it was kind of a sensitive thing, and so I'm grateful for the transparency um, there. But, but we began to pray, and and began seeking and searching, and we even put a team together. We're looking for another building or another venue, and nothing was really available. And I'm telling you, man, I was like, well, what are you doing? Again, we didn't know if the contract was going to go through or not, and so we began praying that the contract would either fall through or that God would give us favor with the new owners. And so uh, it turns out the contract did, in fact, go through, and not too long ago, I got a phone call that the marina, had, the entire marina was sold. And so... Um, I, I got a phone call. It was sold. I got a guy, uh, 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 the new owner calls me. Uh, this guy about my age, and he lives in Charleston, South Carolina. And long story short, he's a believer. He's a Christian. And not only that, he's a Christian who loves church plants. Not only that, because now I, I'm on the phone. My jaw's on the floor. I'm like, man, he's, this is... we were sent by a church here from Durham, Raleigh-Durham area called the Summit Church. We're a Summit Church plant. And this guy, turns out, is a close friend of one of the pastors at the Summit Church in North Carolina, and he's a former member of the Summit Church. The guy who owns the marina! You know, that, that blew me up. You guys are like, oh, well, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's... <laughs> So he had no idea that we were even a Summit Church plant either, and he was shocked. So I want you to let that sink in, how faithful God is, all right? And so now there's still a lot of questions uh, about the details around this and potential renovations. Maybe you've already seen them already doing things in the parking lot, and they're gonna do, you'll see some painting, praise God, on the venue and, and doing some things here. Um, and, and there's a lot of details about the expansion even of the venue and renovations of what's next, but... Um, we've been clearly given some favor here. And so uh, they've said as long as this is an event venue, they want us in it. And so as these details come together, we're praying about it. And I want to ask for your prayers and prayers for wisdom over this next year and going forward. Um, and just prayers for wisdom and continued favor here. So we're even asking uh, for a permanent sign outside, some other things. We don't know what if it's going to be possible or not, but I just want to throw that out there as we're going forward into 2023 so that we can begin praying over this. And again, just before Christmas, we signed a new lease with them. So, um, and they didn't raise the rent or anything. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So again, this is all about making disciples who make disciples from, of those who are far from God. It's about the one and the harvest. I want you to see this. So join me in praying 
um, for the Lord of the harvest to use this facility and our church to facilitate a great harvest of souls in 2023 and beyond. And he's made it very clear that prayer is primary in this. This is huge. Prayer is so important. As Charles Spurgeon put it, I love this quote from Spurgeon. He says, he says prayer is the arm that moves the hand that moves the world. How good is that? Or Sam Storms, another one of my favorites. God doesn't give apart from prayer what he has ordained to give through prayer. You know what that means? Ask. Now look with me. Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38. You guys ready for the sermon? <laughs> Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He wasn't shy about it. He went forth. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So I want to point out two things here that God gives us that are necessary for bringing in the Lord's harvest. Number one, his perspective to see the harvest as he sees it. And number two, prayer. So number one, perspective. So I love this passage because it brings the heart of Jesus into view with so much clarity. It, it, it's like we're given this invitation to crawl up into his lap and to see things from his perspective and to hear and feel his heart beat for those who are far from him. Like, I want you to see how he views the crowds. Like, he's not irritated. He, he's not annoyed. He's compassionate. He doesn't move away from them. He moves towards them. He doesn't isolate and hide. He moves towards them with compassion in all their sickness, with all their issues, and you can bet your bottom dollar these people were struggling. Like he doesn't just bring the gospel and healing to a certain social class that he's comfortable around. Like he doesn't only have compassion for one group and not the other. He sees them all as helpless and harassed sheep without a shepherd. Like he's, he, he's not just disgusted by their behavior. He sees the ultimate reason behind their behavior and he comes to them with the solution. And you know what the solution is? Himself. It's Jesus. He is the solution. He is the good news because he is the king of glory. And so he doesn't just see wretchedness and despair. He sees a harvest. When you turn on the news, do you see a harvest? He sees a harvest and he's moved to action by his love and his compassion. Now, I confess, look, I, I don't always see the world through that lens, right? I turn on the news and I'm like, Jesus, come back. But you know what? You know why he hasn't come back? He sent us, that's right. The only reason he hasn't come back is because in all that scrambling and chaos and wretchedness, he's got lost sheep. 
That's it. That's it. It's the only reason he hasn't come back. Because he has compassion for his sheep without a shepherd. He sees helplessness and he sees harassment. And he says, go. But before he says go, he says, pray. You know why? Because of people like me who need to catch a revelation of his heart, not mine. To catch a revelation of the way he sees this world. Because, look, even when you, when you picture the crowds here, like, I, I bet some of you are just seeing poor people. Like, a, a social poor people class. Maybe like a lower social class of beggars, that that's what the crowd is talking about. But Jesus doesn't differentiate between the financially poor and the spiritually poor. Zacchaeus was a rich man, according to this world, but he was spiritually impoverished. Jesus puts them all in the same category as sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed. So he doesn't shy away from either. So the question is, how can we see the harvest as Jesus does? Well, Jesus tells us. He knows his disciples don't see what he sees because they're not moved the way he's moved. And so he says, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, go. That's what he says. Therefore, pray. And pray earnestly. Say earnestly. Not flippantly. Earnestly. And pray to the Lord of the harvest. You see the ownership? To send out laborers into his harvest. He's clear. We need to pray to the Lord of the harvest first. Why? Because when we pray to the Lord of the harvest first, it does two things. Number one, prayer changes us. It changes our hearts. It changes the way we see things, the way we operate. It changes you. It changes me. It changes us. Number two, prayer changes them. First, prayer changes us. When we pray to the Lord of the harvest, we begin to see the harvest as he sees it. We begin to love the harvest as he loves it. And that means we tap into the unconditional love of the Father for his lost children. Instead of just being disgusted by their rebellion, we're ignited by his love and his grace. That doesn't mean that rebellion is any less disgusting, but what it means is that we've tapped into his gracious, merciful eyes for such a time as this. And so instead of viewing ourselves as better than them, we realize that we are exactly like them because we are them, but for the grace of God. And so it's the grace of God that compels us then to speak the truth in love to and over them. It requires that you pray to the Lord of the harvest before you can even operate that way. And so we do it from a place of security also. Because prayer reminds us of our security and the unconditional love of the Father. Like this is one of the issues, like one of the, the things that we're paralyzed in bringing, even bringing up Jesus is that we're afraid that we're going to be rejected by people. But whether you're accepted or rejected by people or not, if you're secure in the acceptance and the affirmation and the love of your Creator, then even when you're rejected, 
you can feel his smile because he declares he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Because the truth is that when you share this good news with this world, you will eventually be rejected. But even and especially in those moments, your heavenly father, he's smiling on you. And you can love those who persecute you and bless those who curse you. Like, if we bring up Jesus and you are rejected or not accepted or somebody scoffs at you, you don't have to walk away like a hurt puppy. You don't have to react because you belong to the king. Like the, and hear this, guys. The way we handle rejection is often the greater witness to an insecure world. Let me say that again. You talk about Jesus and you preach the gospel, if you're rejected, the way you handle that rejection is often a greater witness than anything to a world that's completely insecure. So even in, if our message is rejected, you need to remember that you are not. Because we're secure in the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. And so prayer aligns us with his love for the lost and it aligns us with his love for us, that deep security in Christ. And so we don't go in to, to shame the helpless and harassed because they have no shepherd. We go in as secure sheep with a shepherd to introduce them to the good shepherd. Amen? And if they reject it, let that break your hearts, not your egos. And that's hard. I get it. Especially when people are lost and they're, they can be vicious. That's what wolves do. Right? But if you don't go in prayed up in the good shepherd, then you're just going to get sucked into the helplessness and harassment of this world. So remember, this isn't just a mission we're sent out to accomplish on our own. This is a co-mission that we've been invited to partner together in with God himself. He's a fortress, right? And he goes before us. We're just saying about it. Battle belongs to you. And so he goes before us and he's with us and he's the one who convicts. He's the one who convinces. We simply get to introduce. We just get to witness and testify to how good he is. The battle belongs to him. So don't let fear paralyze you. Live in the overflow of your secure relationship in Christ. And when you fall short, guess what? His grace is sufficient for you. Don't let yesterday's famine rob you of tomorrow's feast. It's a new year. So one of the biggest barriers for the gospel to go forward in our society today is the fear of being misunderstood or labeled, right? Like we assume people have this preconceived notion of Christianity and we're going to say, you know, if we're going to say anything about Jesus, we better be able to quote the entire Bible and debate every point of theology and any differing opinion that they might throw at us. We've got to be ready for or we can't say anything. Right? Like if that's the way you're thinking, then when you do bring up Jesus, you're going to bring him up ready to fight. Right? Not witness, not worship. Guys, that's not what sharing the gospel is about. That's just ego-driven nonsense. Like if that's how you view evangelism, then you're likely mistaking Christianity as a tool for your own power and control rather than the good news that it is. Prayer is what will break your heart for the person you're witnessing to. Prayer is how you can go into those conversations sensitive to what his spirit is doing 
in that person and his love for that person rather than just trying to win the argument. Again, half the people in this city think that they're Christians. So to talk about Jesus as if they are is actually not a bad thing. When you're living your life out loud in Christ, listen to me, not to pick a fight, but because he's worthy of praise. Like, think about how Jesus did it. He's constantly talking about the king. He's constantly talking about the father. He's talking about the kingdom, and he's talking about his father. And, and as he's talking, people are like, well, that's not the kind of relationship I have. And they start listening and leaning in. He's always talking about the Father, just naturally. He, was, he wasn't concerned about whether people knew what he was talking about or not completely. Like, that didn't paralyze him. That's why he's talking. He knows they don't know what he's talking about. Right? One of the most common questions I get asked is, how did you start that conversation about Jesus? Like, I'll talk, people will come to Christ, or, 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 or I'll get in this long Jesus-centered conversation with people, and they'll be, it'll be like at the baseball field. And they'll be like, how did you even get there? And, and I think... That, that used to confuse me. Like, I'd be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> how did we? How did we start talking about Jesus? And I've actually prayed about that because I get that question a lot. Like, how did you transition into the gospel? As if there's like some separating wall between like regular conversations and Jesus conversations. And I think there is, and it's spiritual warfare. But again, for the longest time, I, I just was like, well, we just naturally got there. And then I realized what it was. It's not some secret silver bullet statement or transition. It's just prayer. It's just prayer. It's because Jesus is the forefront of my mind. It's because I'm aware of how lost people are and I'm aware of how good he is. And I'm just like, that's just, that's, that's it. Like it's the times when I'm not in prayer, it's the times when I'm not worshiping Jesus that I'm like, oh, this is difficult. But it just naturally flows out of me and us when we're focused on him and we're prayed up. And sometimes, listen, I'll even process with strangers about things that I'm thinking about Jesus. I will. I do it all the time. I'll be sitting in a coffee shop. Just, hey, just ask them what they think about something. It's not a, like, like, hey, what do you think about Jesus? I have literally said that to a random person in a coffee shop. They're like, what are you talking about? And I was just like, you know, I was just thinking about this. Like, I was just thinking about our, our, our city. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, like, what does the average person think about Jesus? And I'm like, you're an average person, right? Kind of offensive. <laughs> but you get the idea. Like, it just naturally flows. But I think more than anything, it's like just pr being prayed up because God might be like, hey, I want you to talk to this person. Just go for it. And then boom, gospel time. Right? But I want you to see Jesus is the major factor in every facet of life. And so the, the easiest topic to get to ever is the one that you're focused on in every facet of life. And so it all starts with prayer. It's not, just, it's not like I need to be like John or I need to be like this person. Just focus and pray and worship Jesus in every facet of life and let the Spirit overflow into every facet of life your life. And yes, sometimes people will get offended because the gospel is offensive. But guess what? You're talking about Jesus. And most of the time, you'll get to then clarify what the gospel actually is rather than the twisted version of self-righteousness that most people think it is. And it all comes out of that natural overflow of prayer and worship.
and living life in Christ out loud, sharing life in Christ, not only with each other, but also our city. And it's spiritual warfare that tries to keep you silent, to speak up. This isn't just for extroverts. I have seen some of the most extreme introverted people crush this. You know why? Because they're really good at honing in on that one and praying and looking for those opportunities. They tend, I, I, I'm extroverted, right? You guys probably know that. But, but I have actually noticed that it's the people that are so good at just like, I've been praying for that one person. And then it's like, that person better give up because that, that they're, they're not going to shut up in prayer. And so it's that spiritual warfare that tries to keep us silent. So we speak up in prayer and with the gospel. That's okay. So far, we still do live in a nation that protects that freedom to speak up. So I, I, I would encourage you, I pray that you take advantage of it. Because if we don't use it, we may lose it. We may very well lose it. If we don't use that freedom to speak up and talk about Jesus in this nation, you might lose it. Remember, one of the reasons people tend not to speak up about Jesus is because they don't want to be associated with those who, who, who use Jesus to shame people. So I do ask and I, I do encourage you to get prayed up in the Lord of the harvest and speak from a place of grace and truth. So prayer changes us, but it doesn't only change us. The second thing praying to the Lord of the harvest does is it changes them. It changes them. It changes the one you're praying for. Prayer matters. Like a big reason people don't pray is because they think it doesn't really matter. Like even on a subconscious level, if you find yourself not praying for certain things, it's because you don't think it matters that much. There's this misunderstanding floating around about the will of God that says God's going to do what God's going to do, and if he's going to save them, then he doesn't need me to help. They'll say things like that and, and other things to try and justify that lack of engagement, and then they'll call themselves Calvinists to justify their resignation. But guys, hear me. That's not even Calvinism. It's fatalism. It's a fatalism that relieves humanity of all responsibility. And that's neither Calvinism or even Christianity. Like, listen to me, Risen Church. Your prayers matter. Your prayers change things. At Risen Church, we believe in what's called compatibilism. Okay? And that means that we believe that God's absolute sovereignty and human responsibility are not contradictions to be resolved, but tensions to be held in balance. Okay? Like this is how the Bible presents these two realities. God has given you the ability to respond to his great commission, and he's given you the responsibility to do so. And it's a joy. And prayer is a major factor in this. Remember those two men that I quoted earlier, Charles Spurgeon and Sam Storms? Both of them are brilliant Calvinist compatibilists. And they said this, prayer is the arm that moves the hand that moves the world. That's what Charles Spurgeon said. Sam Storms, God doesn't give apart from prayer what he has ordained to give through prayer. 
Even St. Augustine, the man who wrote so much about God's irresistible grace, one of the church fathers, he talked about irresistible, God's irresistible grace towards the elect. And Augustine himself talked about how he believed that God's grace was irresistible to him because of the continual prayers of his mother. Beautiful. I love how God infuses the responsibility of his people with the absolute sovereignty of his love and his grace. If that makes your mind melt, good. It should. You know why? It means you're realizing you're not God. So let's try to stop trying to figure out God and start listening to Him. So we pray to the Lord of the harvest because it matters. It not only changes you, but it changes them. And we keep praying and we keep asking. And God answers the, the prayers to soften hearts. He does. He answers those prayers to convict and to convince because you can't do those things. Only he can. And so we go to the throne of glory and grace and we ask him to do it. You can't save them, but he can. And he's called you to pray, to press in. Tell your story. Tell how he's rescued you. Appoint them to his word and his spirit, not your preferences and opinions. And listen to me. The gospel is not, I tried so hard to be good, and now that I have his spirit, I'm awesome. That's not the gospel. That's just another twisted form of religion and a false gospel. It's just a subtle legalism using God's name for your own vain purposes. And all that does is cause you to keep waffling back between, back and forth between pride and shame, right? God doesn't give you his spirit to empower you to earn his love. There's a lot of empty religion out there that will push that. God doesn't give you his spirit to empower you to earn his love. He gives you his spirit because of the cross. He fills you with his spirit because he loves you. Not because you're enough, but because he's enough. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you any more. And there's nothing you have done that can make him love you any less. This is the gospel. All we do now is simply worship in response to that good news. This is what we proclaim. This is who we proclaim. This is the life in Christ we're called to share. And it all begins and it ends with prayer. So who's your one more? Will you join me in praying for the one more and for the great harvest that God has even for our church in 2023? One person who's far from God but close to you. Let's pray. Actually, I want you to just close your eyes here and invite the worship team up. I want you to just, with every eye closed right now, just to think of that one person who's far from God but close to you. Who is your one more? They don't have to be completely crazy to be far from God. They can even seem to have all their life together. They don't really know Jesus. I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to reveal who that person is in your life. And kids in here, this 
applies to you also. So just to ask the Lord to help you boldly and lovingly enter into the conversation he's been having with them. And to point them to Jesus. To introduce them to Jesus. To invite them into gospel community. Lord of the harvest, God, we ask that you would raise up laborers for your harvest within Risen Church this year. God, we ask that you would raise up men and women and children who would toil alongside one another in great joy and worship to bring in a great harvest. Lord, give us eyes to see your harvest with compassion as you see it. Give us ears to hear your, your spirit as you lead us in wisdom. And give us the words to speak and to invite and to share this life in Christ as you've shared it with us. And God, as a church, we ask that you give us arms to embrace those far from you into this covenant family, even this year. God, we ask for a great harvest of souls, all for your kingdom and your glory in 2023. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can stand for worship.